Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. What does your 2021 look like? Mine is looking pretty full. I am planning my calendar, getting everything geared up and ready to go. So if you need help doing safety a little differently, a little better, if you want to talk human and organizational performance, if you need a speaker, a coach, training, let me know. Head on over to www.safetybetterment.com. Let's talk. Today's episode is also brought to you by hopuniversity.org. Howdy. Hi, everybody. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing? I hope that you are doing amazing wherever you find yourself. How was your weekend? I'm remembering that I can ask that question. So while you think about how amazing your weekend was, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media except for Twitter because, boom, you guessed it, it is super duper special. It is the Hop Nerd One. Go follow along with at the Hop Nerd on Instagram. I'm doing all kinds of wacky fun stuff over there. It's kind of like the behind the scenes peek, I guess, more into my uh, my normal life, I guess. I guess. I don't know. But go follow along. I'm having all kinds of fun. If you want to get into contact, send me an email, sam at thehopnerd.com. You can slide into the DMs, do all that kind of sort of stuff. You can check out the books over at pellhorsemedia.co. You can go check out all the cool stuff we've got going on over at hopuniversity.org as well. So today we are continuing on with the Safety Sucks mini-series, and I am having an absolute blast. If you can't tell, I'm excited. I'm, how do you say, um... Pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for today because this conversation was amazing. We had the opportunity to welcome the amazing Brent Charlton to the Hop Nerd Podcast. Brent and I have been chatting for a while, but we finally got him on the show. And I've got to tell you, I'm going, I'm going to brag here a little bit because Brent is one of those folks that's really out there fighting to make the professional practice of safety better. Uh, just absolutely trying to do his damnedest to make it better. And I just think that's awesome. Brent's my hero. And on that note, here we go. Well, welcome, Brent. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it was a, I'm, I'm nursing a uh, hip replacement. It was a, a long trip on my walker coming out to the Hop Nerd Studios. Um, <laughs> but I'm hip re- so how, how long ago was the hip replacement? Let me, uh, let me let's start I, right there. Yeah, October 6th, two weeks ago this past Tuesday. So you're back to 100% is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, almost, almost. Get, getting around pretty good. <laughs> Hope to be back in the office next week. 
So let, let me let me say this before we go too much further, because I'll I'll just jump right into conversation and people get mad at me. Um, who are you? Let's let's start. Let's start there. Tell us okay. a little bit about Brent Charlton. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm a safety director for Metal Technologies of Indiana. Uh, we are primarily a, a series of cast iron foundries. We've got foundries in Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Mexico. We've got an aluminum die cast plant in Tennessee, and we've got um, a machining center in Michigan. So I've been safety director there for about six years. Um, they have previous 10 years before that with a scrap metal processor and then uh, some time with Square D and uh, for about 10 years. And there's a 10 year theme in, in my career. And <laughs> uh, 10 years, the first 10 years of my career with Orville Red and Biker Popcorn, almost completely unrelated to safety in that part of it. Wow. So, so Orville Redenbacher, that's a really interesting name that you don't necessarily see on, see on a resume no. very much. I haven't. No, no you don't. <laughs> like, uh, I, well, my degree's in agriculture from Purdue University. Yeah. So I, I initially went to work for Orville as a storage and quality supervisor and had just one of the hats that I wore in the plant turned out to be safety coordinator. So when they changed the way of doing business and downsized and needed one less supervisor, I went looking for a full-time safety career. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is such an interesting and diverse kind of background. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, What made you take the leap? So it's always this kind of weird windy road, or at least for most folks, Um, it seems to be maybe more kind of beeline for safety nowadays. Cause you know, kind of, I guess there are people out there that graduate from high school now and go, I want to be a safety person. When I, grow. Right. I guess that's, that has to happen now because people are going to college yeah, for it yeah. straight out of high school. But that, that, that wasn't a thing when I started, I, I doubt that that was probably a thing when you start, what, what, oh. what drew you into um, going, I, I want to get into this really crazy profession. Well, I had uh, my first formal safety class was at Purdue with uh, extension safety specialists and farm ag safety. Uh, but in the popcorn plant, we had uh, a lot of grain bins, a lot of confined space entry, confined space rescue, respiratory protection, um, SCBAs for grain fumigation, all that. Yeah. Um, lockout for the first time. I was there when uh, Hascom first came out and going through all that catalog yeah, nice. and that stuff. And that was fun of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, blast, blast. And, and no internet, right? So you're sending letters to people saying, send me an MSDS and oh, they're saying, oh, what? So... <laughs> But uh, it just, um, that part of my hat, and we started putting together a, a safety manual and just developed an interest. And one that downsized me was like, you know, what am I going to do now? Well, I yeah. kind of enjoyed that regulatory stuff and putting those procedures mm-hmm. together and the training sure. and those kind of things. So I thought, well, let, you know, maybe we'll give that a try. And yeah. uh, it's stuck for 25 years now. Wow. You know, and, and here you are, right? It's, it's yeah. amazing how you kind of find your way through that. Um, yep. People don't realize how dangerous the agriculture industry is. I don't believe. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. So I, I, I spent, so I'm, I'm in Arizona. Um, citrus and agriculture is a huge thing for us here in Arizona. Yep. Um, we have, we have tons of sunshine and lots of irrigation, lots of canals, yep. right? So <laughs> we, we have, we grow a lot of stuff. Um, um, we have copper, cotton, and citrus. <laughs> that's, kinda, that's, that's a few of our C's here. Um, but so getting to see some of that and chatting with, um, so we have ADOSH here, the Arizona Department of Occupational Safety and Health, you uh-huh. know, getting to know some of those folks. And it blew my mind because I was never really around agriculture in 
that scale, I guess I, ch- I shared with you, you know, I grew up kind of on some Virginia tobacco farms, family right, owned right. tobacco farms and their family and kind of getting drugged behind a tractor on a planter, you and know, you dropping little, you, little tobacco you've plants and the tobacco setter before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was, that was fun. You know, when you're like seven, you're like, this is the coolest thing ever, <laughs> but you, you yeah, don't, yeah. you don't, you don't realize, I guess I didn't realize, you know, how dangerous that field actually is until I was like, yeah, Really is moving machinery can find spaces, uh, um, hazardous materials. You know, you're dealing with fertilizers and and insecticides and all that stuff all the time. Um, A lot of moving, and and a lot of times guys are working alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, somebody gets hurt, gets trapped, whatever. um, Can find spaces like manure pits and things. You lose whole families. Really, really tragic when when something happens. It was it was it was mind blowing to me, and then to see like the. um, so again, cotton here, so you have these big cotton gins and all this stuff yeah. as well. I was like, Whoa, like you see, like I'd, I'd never seen really inside of a lot of this stuff. And then so, some of the, some of the ADOSH folks were sharing some pictures with us and I'm going, I had no clue. I was completely oblivious to this. And then yeah. it, it makes you realize why, um, at least here in Arizona, that it's one of the highest fatality generating industries in yep. the state. Yeah. And that, I think that's true, true everywhere. And I, I ran into, uh, didn't have much experience with cotton, ran into a little bit of it uh, with this job in West Kentucky. There's a lot of, uh, or I'm sorry, West Tennessee, a lot of cotton grown. So it's the first time I'd seen cotton strippers and, and baler and that kind of stuff. But it's See that uh, gigantic cube of cotton yeah. sitting on the side. Yeah, 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 it's so Maybe. cool. Uh, yeah, it's so cool. So th- uh, keeping in, keeping in with that before, before we dump too much farther, um, tractors. So yeah, I've seen you post it. Tell me about these. So first off, how many tractors do you have? I guess that's because I live in the middle of the city. I'm I'm a I'm a country boy that lives in the city now, and the only thing I want in, out of life is to be able to escape the city and own a tractor. <laughs> so t- t- tell me about the tractors that you. That well, you I, have. I have I have two tractors right now. Both are uh, old John Deere's, the two cylinders, Johnny mm-hmm. Poppers. Uh, yeah. One of them is a, a 52 AR that belonged to my dad's uncles, and that's the one that's that's running now. And we take that and uh, go to gone to a couple of plow days where we, I've got a, a three bottom plow. We actually work the old tractors, uh, wow. which is kind of cool. And then I've got a 1945 John Deere B that uh, currently is in pieces in my garage getting ready for uh, rebuilding paint. So wow. total of two. And how I cool. can ask all the time how many, cause I'm, I'm always posting stuff to kind of mm-hmm. tease my wife about buying another tractor. And people <laughs> always say, how many tractors do you have anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, technically you only have one right now. Yeah, so right. You, right. You, you you need another one until the other one gets done, right? I've, I've got yeah, that's true. I've got one, and I've got a big hunk of cast iron. How so. <laughs> <laughs> deep? Yeah, I'll I'd seen you post this, so I had to ask. I had to ask. So that's that's a pretty neat hobby: rebuilding, uh, rebuilding, or maintaining yeah. and rebuilding old tractors. Well, you know, keeps me in touch with agriculture. Keeps me in touch with the family roots. Keeps kind of some of that stuff alive. And uh, none so of cool. the family is farming anymore, so yeah. uh, it's kind of touching base with that and, and the memories and all that, keeping it alive. So important. That's awesome. That that's, that's yeah, exactly. That's, that's so neat to be able to hold on to that. That's so important. That's so important. Um, Cause like I said, I'd shared with you, you know, some of my family grew tobacco for quite a long time. And then after kind of that last generation that did that, it was just, just no more. Yeah. You know, just yeah. no it more just, after that. Fades away. Virginia fades tobacco away. is not really a thing anymore. I guess it used to be a huge thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not, well, not so much. We lived in Kentucky 17 years, and tobacco was pretty big, but it was getting smaller. You know, yeah. they're on quota systems and stuff now, and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's still there, but it's not like it was. Yeah, yeah. So let's, because uh, I'll, I'll keep, I'll nerd out on this stuff forever. 
and that's just how I am. I just, that I just, I just, I just go down the rabbit hole and just, just talk about everything. But we were chatting and we were, we want to dive into some of the sucks of safety. So this is part of the safety sucks mini series. And I can't think of anyone out there that has probably been more vocal for positive change in our profession than you, because you've, you've been, you've been really ra- rallying in and around kind of uh, education, right? You've been really yep. focused around, right. around uh, kind of the academic side of safety and trying to focus on making that better. Do you want to, you want to talk yeah. about that a little yeah. bit? Well, I, you know, I read your book and I'll, I'll, I'll plug your book for you on this episode. Okay. <laughs> <There> uh, <laughs> I'll take all the help uh, I can get. Brent. Yeah. I read safety sucks. <laughs> anybody that's been around this business for any time at all reads that book and says, yep, yep. Been there, done that, seen those. Uh, and yeah, it sucks. So, but um, the one that rung a, rang a bell with me was the academics and the young people coming out of the, the occupational safety programs and leaving the profession because of disappointment. I said, you know, yeah. I've seen some of that myself and it really is a shame because there's some bright young people that would do this uh, profession a lot of good and we're driving them away because we're, we're not teaching them the real life. We're, we're turning out uh, regulatory safety cops that yeah. wonder why people don't jump when they say jump and, yeah. and it's, it's, they don't, they don't get the real world stuff. Yeah. And so that, that kind of lit a fire under me and, uh, uh, trying to get involved with some, on some advisory boards for some colleges here. I'm, I'm on one about to be on a second one and I've got feelers out to two others. So hoping to eventually make a difference. Not, and I'm getting close enough to retirement that I'm, I'm in the leave it better than I found it mode. Yeah. Kind of thing. So that, that's, yeah. that's becoming more passion all the time. You know, that's, that's been such a driver for me. And I was, I was, I just ranted about this on the podcast um, a while back. And, you know, when I started thinking about that, I, I don't want to, even where I'm at in my career, I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the profession in a state to where I wouldn't want my children to be a part of it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And yep. so for, for me, I was really, I was really reflecting on why one day I was really, I was really, uh, you know, we all have those days where we beat our heads against the wall. <laughs> so I was, I was really in my why, but I was like, why? Right right? yeah, I'm going, I'm going, why, why, why am I doing this <laughs> for, for a little bit one day? And it was that, right. That's, that's kind of where I landed. I'm like, well, you know, if, if my daughter, uh, or if, if anyone in my family, or, you know, if folks want to come into this profession, I don't want to have to be the person to say, uh, maybe if it had been, you know, back when I first started, maybe, but not now, you know, yeah. or, and eh, not yet. I, I don't, I don't want to have to, uh, or lie. And I'm not going yeah. to lie to them. I don't, don't want to have to do that. I want to be able to say, that's a great job. You know, you should, you should definitely, right. definitely go pursue that. You know, we've been in that same kind of position. My wife's a school teacher and has been for a long time. And, and she'd get my daughter's friends coming to her and saying, you know, getting ready to go to college and saying, I'm thinking about education. What do you, what do you think, Mrs. C? And, and she's telling me, you know, ah, I don't know what to tell them. You know, yeah. it, it's bad right now. It's not appreciated. And yeah, I'm in a position to have safety, not be that way or to help it be a little bit better and not be that way. Then, right. then got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the old say, be the change you want. Right. Right. Uh, right. And I, I think, uh, I think that was so much of kind of the conversation that, that I've tried to promote. Um, the last thing I've ever wanted to try to do personally is, is to be at some 
some safety guru because I actively preach against that. That'd be horrible if I was trying to be a safety guru at the same time. <laughs> but it's is for folks rather than saying here's the change that we that we must do, is to exactly exactly the stuff that you're saying is to have folks go out into the world and try to create the change that they want to see within the profession. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because we all kind of have the same idea, right? And we all yeah. kind of, we can kind of close our eyes and see the not so great stuff that needs to be worked on. Yeah. And there's, you know, it, it's, that takes critical thinking and that's one of the skills that is lacking in people coming out of these yeah. programs is critical thinking skills. Yeah. And it, it just, um, it, it's hard to teach. Uh, but, but it's one of the things that, you know, and taking, and there's a lot of people out there saying, I, I see more and more people saying, you're not a profession. And we whine about people don't think we're a profession, but damn, when you don't have any consistent standards for what a safety professional is or what the standard skill set or any of those things, yeah. you know, we're not doctors and lawyers and, and nurses. Yeah. You know, it's not the same. So well, it, it is wacky. So I'm, I'm working on some stuff with a, uh, with a friend of mine right now. And, um, we've been having a lot of conversations around that particular piece. There's either the definition for what a safety professional is, is so massive that it becomes nothing. Yep. Right. Or it doesn't exist at all. And it's, 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 it, it varies, you know, organization to organization. But I mean, the example that I always give is if you look at the, the job description that that's given to a safety professional it's not this clear and concise thing. It's like this hodgepodge of like junk from all over the organization that's right. poured into this multi-page document. And it's so big and bloated that it really just says, you're going to do everything and then some, and we're not really sure what that is, but it's, yeah. it will tell you when it's time. There's always that line at the bottom, <laughs> other duties as a sign, right? <laughs> Travel 97% of the time and other duties as a sign. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, so the, the one that I keep harping on is this one, which is collect and analyze data um, and then predict and prevent incidents. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, give me my magic ball. Let me, let me predict and prevent this. <laughs> yeah. And some of, that's, some of that's our own fault. It, yeah. Because we've not been honest, I think, with our, our CEOs and people and said, nobody can predict the future. Yeah. Yeah. We can look at some recognized hazards, but we can't predict what people are going to do, where the machine's going to fail. A lot of that stuff, you know, I've had accidents in the foundry where somebody says, well, why didn't we anticipate that? Well, we're doing the best we can, but I can't anticipate everything. It's impossible. Well, that's that's the unfortunate part, especially when we get into events that are uh, unfortunately, especially more significant. Yeah. Right? Especially yeah. when you get into this life altering or fatality territory. The problem is, is that if we could have imagined that we would have prevented it. Yeah, exactly. Right? If, if it would have been anywhere in our imagination that that thing would have happened, yeah. we would have done something about it. Right? And more importantly, if that person that was seriously injured or killed had known that was going to happen, they wouldn't have done what they did. Exactly. And it's, we're, we're exactly, we're, we're right back at the same, at the yeah. same part of the same square on the board, right? Which is, right. you can't right. see into the future. Yep. <laughs> right? yeah. That's, I've been talking in our company about, uh, you know, we're, we're at a very low incident rate point um, over the last two years. And I keep telling people that, you know, that doesn't make me smile. That makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there are things out there that can seriously injure you. 
you know, I w- I've always heard that the uh, the fear of the green embrace the red. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> fear of the green and embrace the red. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so and exactly. So, what would you um as as we're going down this path? What would be in Brent's world? What would be one of the the biggest sucks of safety or something that maybe people don't talk about or that they do it, what, whatever, what, what do you think would be kind of on, what, what would be on your list of the sucks of safety? Well, on the job, it, it probably is that expectation that we're going to pr- predict the future. That we've got some kind of crystal ball that we can predict and analyze all hazards. And, you know, yeah. oh, well, didn't you do a JHA or where's your hazard assessment? <laughs> yeah. That's well, you know where JHAs are. They're in the file drawer over there. Right? The drawer, yeah. In years. the supervisor's drawer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that I think that ex, that error in expectation or, or unrealistic expectation of what we can do is is a big suck. Yeah. yeah. That that's that's huge. That's that's the one that um I think that it comes from, and this is where my mind has been lately. I think that it really comes from, from, from our definition of safety, kind of the more traditional definition of safety, that safety is an outcome. Yep. So yep. with safety being an outcome in most organizations, the only acceptable outcome is zero. Yeah. Right. So, uh, or the lack of an outcome, I guess is the right way to put that. Yeah. So well, with, uh, with that, everything that the practitioner does in their, in their job is to try to support that value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's to try to say, well, if that's the value, if zero is the value of the organization, then the practitioner has to get to the point to where they can, can see into the future or we're never going to achieve that value. Yeah. Well, I, I tell our executive team all the time that, you know, my, my mantra, absence of accidents does not prove the presence of safety. And I back that up with just because I haven't had a heart attack doesn't mean I don't have heart disease. Right. And yeah, yeah. I've actually heard our CEO repeat that a couple of times now. So it's, it's, oh, that's what you know. Us as we're looking for ways to improve yeah. our, our safety program. Oh, uh, you're 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 on it now because when when they when they start copying and repeating you, you're in you're in good territory. We're, <laughs> we're working on learning teams. Um, CEO and senior vice president both read um, Conklin's uh, Five Principles of Hop. Awesome. Um, loved it. They both see how that can help not only safety but other areas of the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and man, if you can, you know, as a safety guy, if you can bring your stuff in to help other parts of the organization, yeah. that that's a huge, huge win. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about that. We're we're starting to work on it, learning teams and some of those things that uh, are really going to really going to change the future for for us. I think that's that's so cool. That that's excellent. You know, um, for me, when I can get a leader to read, period. <laughs> that's when I'm like, oh, this is good. This this is good. <laughs> you know? But if I can get a leader to read Conklin or Decker or any, if if I can get them, let me say this: if I can get them to read a safety book. Yeah. Then I know I'm really on to something. You know, the, the fortunate part though is yeah, you know, with folks like Todd, um, with folks like with folks like Decker, you know, Todd's books are, are great reads. You, you turn them on to his YouTube stuff that's you know, that's put yeah. those talks posted on YouTube. And he's just such an entertaining person too to watch and his yeah. talks are just enjoyable. Well, and and yeah. he writes like he talks, which yeah. is you know, there's not all the high and mighty hoity toity language right. in there. Yeah. That tends yeah. to turn people off. Well, so I think, I think that's, that's a really cool place to kind of drive towards because um, 
that's a lot. That's a lot of that conversation, right? Is how do we define safety when when we start going down that new path? And I think when we when we change that definition, at some point, we're going to see a different role for the practitioner. Yes. Because we're, again, we're just not going to see the we're not going to see so much of that. Well, zero is the ultimate target or the ultimate goal, the ultimate value of the organization. So, with that being that ultimate value or an incentivized target, often right, a truly yeah. incentive, yeah. an incentive metric in many organizations. Um, rather than seeing that that practitioner blamed and punished for not predicting and preventing, right? I think we start to see the role shift. And that's where I kind of lean into to the, what's deeper, right? What What's yep. deeper than, than the exposed kind of practice of safety. And it's that, right? It's if the definition changes. And for me, I like to go down the path of learning. So you brought up learning teams. I like to go down that path of, okay, well, the real value for the organization should be learning because learning lets us find out about the presence of defenses and the presence of defenses right. are, are the, is the real definition of safety, right? Yep. And if we can learn and that becomes the value, that's what the practitioner starts to support. And so the practitioner a lot of times becomes more of a facilitator, right? Than, right. than anything else. Well, and we, and we get our, we get our workers involved, we get our supervisors involved in, in the solutions that you come up with. Um, you know, it, it's, was a cliche years ago that, that they know the job better than anybody else, but really they do. I mean, that's, that's truth. And anything that you come up with defense wise, that is in conjunction with working with them. Now they own it. Yeah. And, and if they own it, they're going to back it and support it and do it rather than yeah. something, you know, I can sit at my well, desk and write some BS that. that right. nobody- well, and it's, it's, it's going to be, let's just be honest, right. It's, it's going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, the yeah. stuff, the yeah. stuff that they come up with is going to be way better than the stuff that I come up with. Yeah. Right. So. Because you know, in uh, you know, I, I I came up on tools. I came up in the country. I came up with my hands and stuff. You know, I'm I'm not an academic by any means. You know, I grew I grew up in the field and came up that way and been there, done all that. You know, and for me, it's been so long since I've done that though. I have no clue anymore. Right. I don't I don't, I don't know. And even even if I did think that I, I guess if I thought that I did, I guess would be the way to put it, but I don't know the true reality that they face on any given day. That's right. their reality and their reality alone. Right. So to you, pull you hear all the time, you hear all the time. That. Well, that's not really the way we do it. And right. here's, yeah. And, yeah. We uh, even, even just falling back to that concept, kind of black line, blue line concept. Yeah. I'm going, well, I kind of, I have this, this vision of how you do work, but it's probably not right. It's not right. right. It's, it's not probably right. not right. It's not right. Yeah. <laughs> show me how you actually, show me how you actually GSD. Yeah. Right? Let's, uh, uh, <laughs> life's never that perfect straight line from A to B with, with nothing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing interrupts, yeah. nothing breaks, nothing goes haywire. Um, so let me, let me, let me throw this one at you. And, um, this is totally on the spot. So folks, again, folks out there know how this, how this podcast goes. So I'm going to totally put you on the spot. But I just, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Do you have any stories of the sucks of safety? Do you have any good safety suck stories that you'd be willing to share with anybody? Oh man, off the top of my head, um, that's a tough one. Off the top of my head, <laughs> that's that's rough, isn't it? <laughs> I've the, the most the most recent one is more related to the the profession as a whole mm. than any particular job. Sure, and. Uh, that's, you know, you, you mentioned in one of your shorts, uh, my thing on LinkedIn about how to get beat up in the safety profession with the, with the sacred cow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I just think as a profession, the arguing that we're doing on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff is killing us. We're, we're eating our own and it's got to stop. Social media can be great. I'm doing a social media safety minute for, for my company's Facebook site every week now and things like that. But yeah. when, 
safety pros get on there and, and you call it tribalism one time, you know, I'm hop, I'm safety two, I'm safety one, I, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm BBS and fighting each other. Just, it looks ridiculous. And people say those guys don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's what you said. It's, it's, we end up eating their own. And I don't know if it's just the times that we're in. I mean, you see that in all bits of life. It seems like right nowadays, which is oh, yeah. insane. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's an entirely other podcast we could have just on the right. insanity of just normal life nowadays. Um, but and I'll admit I get sucked into them. You know, well, of course, uh, of course, like if I can't, I can't help, but look, I can't help but troll every now and again. Like I think, yeah. I think every human has this, this little troll, little bit of troll, some more than others. But when, when I see, when I see like the, uh, when I see like the literal picture of like the pizza party with the bazillion hours without an incident yeah. banner, I'm like, I, uh, I gotta say, uh, <laughs> it's too good not to like say something, you know, if, but if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, um, get on YouTube and look at, um, um, Oh, I think it was Fridays, an old show that used to be on like a Saturday Night Live, and they've got the pizza mm-hmm. party, and yeah. the guys are trying to, you know, just make it to the end. Of the everybody's got a pizza party, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> off and knocking guys out. I don't. I don't look. I I, I grew up in the um, in the the traveling world of utilities, right? It's kind of utility contractor space. I feared pizza because if you were being fed pizza, it meant you were being laid off pretty soon. That was, it was layoff pizza. It's it's what what the pizza was. I don't keep your pizzas away from me. I don't want any any part of the pizza party. The last supper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The pizza, you know, you had like a stack of, you had like a stack of uh, pizzas and like a layoff list on top of it. (laughs) Oh man, that's terrible. I really, it was just the nature, nature of the, of the traveling, uh, the traveling power plant hand, just the normal life. (laughs) But, you know, so I'm very, I'm very passionate about, about that topic in particular, because I feel that, um, that you're exactly right, that we're doing more harm than we're doing good a lot of times, because there's a lot that we can learn from each other. Absolutely. And so I, w- one of my favorite episodes that I've had so far, and I can't wait to have him back on is, is Dr. Tim Ludwig. Yeah. And Dr. Tim Ludwig is a behaviorist. He's a, if, if you wanted to classify him as anything, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting to the point where I'm not big on labels in general, I guess. But if you wanted to label him as something, he's a BBS guy. That's, that's, that's what he is. But when you go back and listen to that conversation, you just hear two people that are passionate about making things better. Yeah. Right? You don't, well, think- you don't hear a hot person and a BBS person. Right. And even to the point of, um, um, to the point of, I, so I, I went back and I'd, I'd listened to your podcast on the safety struggle, which uh-huh. was super good. So people should go listen to that if they haven't. And I think you guys mentioned it on there when you're talking about the, the, the sessions with ASSP between Todd and Scott Geller and yeah. kind of the, that kind of, it was like this setup boxing match. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And you're going, well, what good does that really like? Okay. It's cool to like sit there and like eat popcorn and go, yeah, get them. Right. Does it yeah, really I, help? I anything? think that I lit the fuse and it was, I didn't think about it at the time, but as time's gone on, cause it, it's very entertaining to watch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really think that lit the fuse on this argument and this tribalism. Uh, but really it's, it's, we're not, none of us, no matter which, what side you're on, which is a bad thing anyway, yeah. none of it's that far apart. And really I think the answer is somewhere in a blend of all of them. I mean, you don't typically make jewelry out of hundred percent gold because right. it's too, 
you don't make steel out of a hundred percent iron ore. There's other pieces that go in there. So yeah. I have to take all of these are, are tools in the toolbox that you yeah. pull out based on your situation. Yeah. Use yeah. what you need here and there. So we're yeah. always going to have safety one, as long as OSHA exists. Yeah. We're going to have safety one. Yeah. So, and that, that's a lot, that's a lot of the way that I've kind of landed as well as, especially so talking about like the practitioner, because so much of where I found myself as, as, as you're aware, as a lot of people are aware, as I found myself more into this space of kind of trying to better the professional practice of safety mm-hmm. um, more on kind of the practitioner end rather than on kind of the, I guess, I don't want to say the receiving end of that. That sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the organizations that were doing safety too, I guess, but um, I found myself having more of that conversation, but I think that it's, I got a, I got a little one here bringing me my cell phone. <laughs> I find myself kind of focused in on, on that, just kind of making the profession better. But I think that there is so many little bits and pieces that can come together. I think there's a lot that we can, I think we have to, with with a, with a couple caveats, right? I think we have to be able to admit BS when we see BS. I think we have to be able to um, admit that bits and pieces, some bits and pieces don't work and we have to be able to kind of declutter. And I think if we do that all under a kind of a shared set of principles, that, that probably works out pretty good because like you said, I, I don't know. I, I'm a hop guy. I, you know, I'm a, I kind of pigeonhole myself a little bit with my name, I guess. Um, but I'm a hop guy, but I can't sit here and say that there's nothing safety nerd. So it's okay. Right. I can't, I can't sit here and say that you can't learn anything from Scott Geller because you definitely can't. Absolutely. <laughs> you can learn a lot from Dr. Scott Geller, yeah. right? Just for, for me to sit here and, and, you know, and that's kind of, that's where a lot of the conversation has devolved on social media in particular to just, just, just bitter argument. Yeah. Right? yeah. Instead of, uh, instead of saying, wait a second, you know, um, not all of these behavior behaviors guys were just snake oil salesmen um, or people, not all these behavior people were just snake oil salesman like there's some good there if you go talk to scott or you go talk to tim little you talk yeah. to those, they have a lot of knowledge you can actually learn some stuff right yeah. um you, you can't just you can't just kind of just throw all that on the social media like we see a lot of times and just kind of duke it out uh, what's what's the old meme that's like a lot of people get away with a lot of stuff now because there's no fear of getting punched in the mouth yeah right, <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody's brave behind the keyboard right right so. right <laughs> we, we've yeah. we've removed the punch in the mouth from yeah. those conversations and people right. say whatever yeah. <laughs> but even if you're if you're working a hot program you still got to have that caring to make a learning team work because right. people see through the bullshit pretty yeah. easy yeah. pretty easily yeah. uh if you're if you're not genuine and really care about them yeah. uh but but caring doesn't mean that you can't also use some engineering and and mm-hmm. some some human organizational performance type tool. Right. right. Yeah. So, I, I, I think, I think where a lot of the problem has arisen and you probably seen a lot of similar stuff is you get, um, and I guess I am picking on, on certain ones, but um, if, if these if folks fall into this, they kind of deserve it, <laughs> but, but you, you kind of, you, you got these kind of consultants back in the day that kind of came in and sold like this canned program to every organization behave behavior based right. safety was super good at this. Right. right. They had, right. they had it, they marketed it well. It had a really catchy little name and it yeah. came with observation they, they, cards. Everybody, and, everybody can name the big three or four that was right. around. Them, right. Yeah. So. And so you basically come in and say, Nope, one size fits all just do this. Right. And I, th- I think that's where a lot of that kind of problem came from. And that's probably where we see some of the argument coming from now is because, you know, 
to, to, to kind of the point of what you were saying is that every organization is going to have um, these knobs set at different points. There's going to be different set points for right. all of this stuff for every different organization. You know, what, what works well for you and your organization, even at just one of your locations, isn't going to be exactly the same as the next location. Oh yeah. We've got seven <laughs> plants and every plant has a different personality. Yeah. It's, so, so in the same, I'm, I'm a power plant guy and power plants are like, exactly. Right. I, you just, the personality, that's the only way to describe it. Right. right. They kind of have this share because it is, it's a shared culture throughout the sites yeah. that are just a little different, you know, well, and what works well other, at one won't work at that's the other. That's the other one that, that people are, are out there selling is safety culture. And I, I'm oh. a big believer that oh. you have a culture and safety is part of that how you react to safety and respond is, is mm-hmm. part of that, but it's not a separate, we're going to stop and do safety culture today. Yeah. I, I don't think it works. Well, so, and so I, and I always challenge people with that because exactly it's well, so it was your safety. What about your, your HR culture? Uh-huh. And what about your quality culture? And what about your security culture? Do you have a good security culture? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, what are we just gonna bucket them all out? Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's just culture, right? Yeah. And so same. It's it was a really good kind of banner we could you know we could we could we could fling up on the wall and sell somebody something. It seemed right. In well, and get back getting back to the sucks, and I I maybe it was on one of your podcasts, and we're and we're repeating for your audience, but That's nobody. <laughs> if if turnovers high or you got bad employees, nobody fires the HR manager, right? Right. Why'd you hire that crappy employee? But if well, you have, somebody gets hurt, too many people get hurt, you fire the safety manager. Yeah. Or you're not, you're not going to like, so the, I think the really good example is that you're the same, right? You're, you're, it's the same example. The HR director is not going to get drug out onto the carpet in front of the, the executives on the, the hundredth and 20th floor, right. Of this mega corporation and say, well, how did you not predict and prevent all of these folks that failed their drug test last quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Because we had 5% of our organization failed their drug screenings or suffered any insert, any disciplinary action here. Right. And that's unacceptable that we have folks that are, that, that are breaking their rules. And, but if it's, you put safety in front of that, yep. that's actually what, what happens for HR and that stuff never happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Or it, it, again, insert any other kind of yeah. there. No, I'm not, I'm not picking on our human remains. Friends, but. Uh, because if they design a, a equipment or a process line and it doesn't work, they, they get called on the carpet for why didn't you anticipate this? And yeah. a lot of times it's the same thing as us. It's, you know, we try, we couldn't anticipate everything or it's, right. it's something brand new or whatever, but, but you're right. It, it, uh, we don't get, it, HR doesn't get dragged dragged out and say we had a 2.4 per hundred employees uh, drug failure rate. Uh, what are you going to do about it? How much of that? Um, and so we we touched on the definition, and I think I think that's still probably where a lot of this stems from. Um, kind of viewing safety as the absence of stuff, right? Um, yeah. or unexpected, unintended things, I guess. Um, but how much of that is just because we 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 measure? I'll say we measure, and we measure wrong a lot of times. <laughs> Um, I, I even just go back to just measure in general, because I don't, I don't know if we should measure a lot of the stuff that we kind of try to, I guess, or, you know, yeah. especially when we find ourselves in kind of incident rates and we're always looking at OSHA recordability. And it, again, I, I grew up in that kind of construction utility space where, you know, incident rates were king and you did everything, especially as a contractor to keep your incident rates down because it determined if you got work or not. 
right. that's a pretty big incentive to case manage the hell out of injuries. It is, or to hide them, or to hide them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see, yeah, I'm, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. We brought the guy in and set him in the break room for mm-hmm. three days watching safety videos, but we didn't, by God, have a lost time. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> and what's you know, and again, that has to be more damaging than it is anything else. Oh, I think it absolutely is. You know what I mean? Because I mean, what the, you think about the you think about the tone that you're setting with that employee and the people yeah. that see that. Yeah. And then you not only that, but you think about the risk to that employee in general. Just want to look, oh, like half amputated a foot. Like, can I please go home? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I just hang out? Let me just go watch. I just want to go I'll watch uh, Netflix well, and I, eat I, pizza. Here, yeah. So okay. So here's a here's a. A safety suck story from my past. That I knew I knew you had one in there. See, <laughs> we actually out at um, when I was at Orville Redenbacher, we had a guy fall off the top of a grain bin, so it's twenty-two feet to the ground, and uh, he crushed both his ankles, broke, um, didn't have compound fractures, but broke um, one femur and then tib fib in the other leg. So um, probably been would have been worse, but he had a little parachuting experience, so he, he knew how to hit land and roll, but still it's 22 foot drop to gravel driveway. So he's off the hospital and, um, they patch him up, cast all this stuff, um, uh, overnight. Wasn't it? Didn't admit him, right? 23 hour observation. So he's not admitted. So we're, we're still in good shape. Um, but he, he's off work. He can't, uh, no walking and no driving. So my boss at the time would go for Oh gosh, I think this went on for three weeks. Would go and pick him up at home, mm-hmm. bring him in, clock him in, and let him sit in the break room all stinking day for I know it was at least three weeks, and then drive him home in the evening. And that's that's losing sight of what's best for the people. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, he didn't need to be there, uncomfortable as hell, and in in pain, and, and sitting there on a picking table in the break room. Exactly, and even just down to just general recordability right i mean yeah. these 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 high level kind of incident numbers and rates that lack lack any context at all whatsoever yep. you know and but it's recordable so recordable equals bad yeah right i, I mean i i uh, i had experience with a with an event where an employee uh, basically had some had an issue with an earplug Right. And let's just say it turned into a recordable, right? It just was, it just, I'm, I'm, I'm a very much, it is what it is kind of person. You know, I just kind of, it is what it is. Right. If it's recordable, it's recordable. If it's not, it's not. Um, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a tough conversation for a safety professional to have with an organization. Like, I don't care if it's recordable or not. Well, when, when, I, first came, when I first came into this job, um, recordable rates went up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And which is really bad for the new safety director, but, they were, we, we do green sand molding and a lot of sand in the eye type of injuries. And there, my predecessor had set up, his policy was, if you didn't report it before you left, it must not have happened here. Right. Therefore, it's not recordable. <laughs> right. and I, I said, that's not right. And went back and did some cases. And But I said, look, I'll take a dozen grains of sand in the eye injuries to one amputation um, and, and thousands of them to one fatality. Because Absolutely. That's just not what I focus on. Well, and um, it's it's so much of it's you know kind of even keeping in line with those that kind of suck is that we've we've really doubled down over time into this kind of belief that little things equal big things. Oh yeah. And yeah. even even to the point to where we've had an entire 
kind of a generation of leaders that have said this, that it's like, well, if I just manage the little things, I don't have to worry about the big things. Yeah. Yeah. Sprained ankles lead to fatalities, right? Right. Yeah. So we, we end up with leaders that just focus on managing little things and we're going, right. Right. What about the shit that kills you? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and and I, I took a lot, of, I took a lot of grief starting out by saying, and I, the language I used probably was wrong, but cause I said, I don't care about those. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, Oh my God. But, uh, Blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> the way I've explained it and, and people are starting to see it is the, the foreign body in the eye and amputating three fingers is the same on the OSHA log. It's one. Right. One. Yeah. And which one are you more concerned about? Yeah. You know, I, exactly. You know, I, spending tons of time around coal plants and you know, coal burners, you know, you get a ton of flash and you, you oh, yeah. there's just crap in the eye. You know, you, 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 you get there, you get crap in your eyes because there's crap in the air. Yep. Right. And you can try it. You know, most coal plants I've been around use uh, foam line safety glasses and all kinds of spoggles as we call it, you know, spoggles and everything else. And they help, they can help a little bit, you know, yep. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're completely dumb. There's, there's some value in those things if they're used in the right ways, you know, and implemented right. in the right ways. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, every time that you have to have that conversation um, in that organization invests time into an RCA often into, well, how did this person get that piece of flash in their eye and how did it become recordable? We're, we're diverting attention away from things that really matter. We're, we're diverting attention away from, from, from the shit that kills you. Yep. And we're spending time focused on that. Look, to me, it's one of those things like what you should do. And I, again, I, cause I, I <laughs> Me, me and you have caught a lot of the same grief, it sounds like. It's like, what you need to do is when that employee brings you that eye injury, you should thank them for reporting it and say, we'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting us know. It, it, you know, that sucks. I, I agree. Know, this, there's, a, there's a bunch of crap in the eye. Is there anything that we can learn, you know, we, from this? We give them a lot of tips, you know, shower yeah. before you leave, uh, yeah. hit the eye wash fountain before you leave, uh, yeah. you know, don't... Uh, uh, don't drive home with your window down and blowing. Close your eyes when you shower at home. All those kind of yeah. things. It still happens. Is it? Yeah. Then that's the, you know you get to the point where you say, look, this is there anything that we can learn from this? Well, I don't know. Probably not. Well, okay. Right. Let's just make sure the employee's cared for, and let's move on with life. Right. Right. You know, and that that's the better answer. Is it record? Okay, it's recorded. That's fine. We'll record it. That's I'm good yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, that that's fine. Let let's worry about this molten iron that's pouring over here at 2,500 degrees. Right. And, you know. and to and to the point to where you know you, you're focusing on that, but then you're also number one, the, the employees able to be honest with you. Yep. They can be like, listen, I got crap cool. in my eye. Hey, listen, I got crap in my eye. And they they got they took care of me. They didn't beat me over the head. I reported it. it wasn't I can report stuff. Yeah. It's good. I can tell them about let's go, stuff. Let's go take care of it before it's a scratch cornea and it's embedded and they got to yeah. use a bud and an algorithm. to bring out the drill. Yeah. <laughs> it makes my eye hurt just to think about oh, it. No. You know? oh. But then, you, you know, so this is, I think, is a prime example of kind of what we're talking about here. I'll, I'll share a story with you. Is that um, one of the organizations I work for, I, I, I never give names. I'll just say that they did exist and then they didn't exist. And now it's weird because they kind of, they're starting to exist again. And I, didn't, I don't know how that works in kind of in, in company space, but I guess you can resurrect companies. Big, after big business. <laughs> but so part of their, um, they handled a lot of maintenance contracts for various power plants across the country, all over the country, nuclear, fossil, everything. Um, and so they had like this kind of whole safety process management system that you kind of, as you went to site, 
you had to have all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's a lot of it's good kind of just good pro tip stuff. Like as a safety practitioner, I'm not I'm not I'm not bashing it. I guess what I'm saying. You like here's the trailer. Like we're gonna have a trailer. That's a good idea. We actually can get out of the rain. You know, we in this trailer we're gonna have a safety office, and this is what we need for this, and this is what we need for that. So it's kind of all those basic covered or basic things that need to be covered, because most of these sites aren't you know right in the middle of town. You kind of need lots of stuff. Right. Right. But it got to the point to where um, eye injuries in fossil locations, as we're talking about, were so so rampant that it was a requirement. This is something that all these sites were audited to that you had to have the the eye magnifying glass with the light so before you before you took the person to the clinic the safety practitioner needed to try to flush the eye and see if they could remove it with cotton swab before you'd ever take them to the eye doctor it was a requirement to have it on site and i'm going all right (laughs) i've been a couple of our plants we we had uh, the local ophthalmologist come in and do some training to do that yeah yeah Part and you can do a Q-tip and take it out. Yeah, I look at that as that helps the employee. Yeah, you exactly. Know, and rub it and, and embed in that. Yeah, so. and I'm I'm all for because as we know, anybody that's that's hung around for more than a second knows that eyes can turn like that. Oh yeah, like it's fast. You know, you know, if you get crap in your eye, you need to get out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so I, I get that piece of it, but their their entire stance behind it was that we we need to do this so we don't have to take them to the eye doctor. Yeah. And that's how, that's how it was sold. Like it yeah. was sold to, to, to the professionals. It was sold to leadership at this plant that we do all this stuff because that way you won't get a recordable. Right. Yeah. Oh and, and we look at it as, as let's take a look and see if we can take care of it. But if not, we're going yeah. to die. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Not to avoid so. It's so wacky though, because then you just end up with folks, like I said, you know, so much, so many of us, it got to a point, um, kind of in, in, in safety sucks even. So when I talk about running away, it got to a point in my career to where it was like the vast majority of what I did was take beatings and manage cases, you know, it's where it's like, okay, I'm done <laughs> because of that kind of suck. Right. But it's like, I'm, I don't want to like sit there and argue. It shouldn't be my job to argue with a doctor about stereo strips for stitches. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Are you, are you sure they need the ibuprofen prescription or can we just get them some extra strength Tylenol and, and let right. them take take over the counter and it's just, you know, it, it's just a ridiculous waste of time when there's so many things that matter that you could be spending your time on. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, that's where I always kind of land. I always kind of circle back to this because there's, there's lots of bits and pieces that I think um, start to go away when we redefine safety. Right. I, I think so yeah. much of our case management conversation that we just had as bad as it sucks. I think that if, once we get to the point of realizing that incident rates really don't tell us anything or at least not much. Yeah. yeah. Um, once we start to understand that, that high, low, moderate, kind of, you know, kind of looking at incident rates of zero doesn't tell you anything that, you know, a 1.25 doesn't tell you anything, you know, yeah. um, that what, what really tells you, you know, about safety is the presence of defenses and how well those defenses work and whether you're good or you're lucky and all those different bits and pieces and learning. Um, yeah. that that's, that's I, would, the I would like to get to the point someday where the only, place we talk about incident rates is in the boardroom. So um, exactly. So I've, I've so much of, of, of what I've chatted with folks about um, is that right. Is, is inst- even if you just start with this shift, that incident rates shouldn't be pushed down through the organization. 
Right. If you just start with that, right. And that that's a good kind of catalyst into that conversation. The best thing for me is to go out onto a job site and say, what's TRR? And they go, what the hell's TRR? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if I go out and they're like, oh, and we've had four recordables and we've had, I'm going, okay, this is not good. (laughs) Something's wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) Something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. But so to your point to push that hub, because it's, it's, it's still a, you know, an applicable lagging indicator you know, our, our boards are probably not going to, at, at their level, that's probably okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To, to look at that high level rate is probably not a horrible thing. I don't, yeah. I don't think as we long as they have some that level, we can, we can look at uh, workers comp costs. We can look at incident rates and it doesn't mm-hmm. negatively impact the people on farther down the line. Um, right. I, I could supervisors should never have an incident rate goal on a, yeah. on a performance evaluation plant managers, probably not. Uh, get to vice presidents, maybe, but, um, you know, the, the higher up in the organization you keep it, I think the better off you are. Yeah. Find some things to measure, uh, you know, how many learning teams did they have? How many corrective actions did they close? Yeah. Um, how many near misses did they actually yeah. analyze and take some action on? That kind of stuff that, you know, that like goes back to what matters, you yeah. know? It's uh, so, so much of what matters on the, on the positive side of that equation anyways. It's usually yeah. the present. It's usually the presence of stuff, not the lack of yeah. things. Yeah. Right. So, so, like to your point, you know, like learning teams, just like okay, well, this is cool. They're learning stuff. Like they're they're doing learning teams without telling the organization, which is even better. Like they're just going like rogue learning teams and doing like that's so cool. <laughs> you know? yep. Yeah, that that would be great. That would be great. And or you know, I, I, the one that I share that's really common in most of our industries is like, how many times has verification worked during your lotto process? You know, when so how many times has somebody went out to verify a lot and found something wrong? Are you talking about that? Are you learning from it? Are you celebrating it? Yeah, because it worked. Your process worked. <laughs> well, you know, I I don't I don't think in my whole career those periodic inspections I maybe have seen two or three that had anything wrong. Yeah. Um, so I get uh, I have gotten on guys before that I'd say you know you bring you bring that form back to me and it doesn't have greasy fingerprints on it. You're <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, cup, cup, being around in the utility space, like it's common, like I, it's, it's um, because we, we operate, you know, in the nuclear world, you hear more of clearance and tagging. Right. And then I'm kind of on you know, yeah. our kind of, I guess more traditional Watto is kind of what I'm more familiar with nowadays. Um, I was grew up in both. Um, but, you do find that quite a bit, but with, with the number of lotos, you think about kind of power plant outages and things that happen there, the, the, the number of isolation points and things you're talking, some, some very intricate lotos might have a hundred oh, isolation yeah. points. Um, and then you go through to, uh, you know, certain particular processes for different, uh, different employers and, you know, different plants, different things like that. Um, but you'll find that where, you know, folks will go out. And so that, that's, I think that's, that's a, a maturation point for the many organizations in there. And that, that's just a good example is yeah. that kind of traditional view. Someone will go out, someone will go out, hang a lot of someone will go out and verify the lotto. And the person that goes out and verifies it would find something that, oh, this is locked open and it should have been locked closed. Stop let's go back and figure this out in a traditional organization. Been like, Why the hell was that locked? This is horrible. Right. I can't right. believe this happened. This should have never gotten this far. You got too far into your, never should have this happened. Right. And kind of the, 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 the shift in that I think is like, good job. It worked. This is why we verify. This is, yeah. this is exactly what we wanted you to do. Now were we good or were we lucky? 
and let's learn from that from here. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> one of my one of my favorite stories about learning from what's going on is when I was in the scrap business. We had a, an automobile shredder in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and the number one cause of downtime was the the fluff belt, which is the fluff is the seat foam and tire rubber and all that stuff comes off the shredder, mm-hmm. not anything not metal. Well, it kept plugging up. Well, they were really getting hammered on downtime. And so they're really conscientious about that. And they knew that they had to solve why it plugged up. But in the meantime, you got to unplug it as quick as you can. Well, the disconnect was at the top of conveyor up, uh, well, two flights of stairs, I think. So they busted the guy for clearing this jam and not locked out. And they were ready to fire him. And, and I said, you know, well, wait a minute. Why did he, he said, look, they're on, they're on me about the downtime. I've got all the way up there, all the way down. He says, mm-hmm. yeah, first couple times up and down, no problem. Clear it out up and down again, unlock it, start back up. But he said, after you've been yelled at about downtime and you're tired at the end of the day, he said, you just kind of look around and say, I think I can get this done pretty quick. Yeah. And so couple hundred bucks to put a remote disconnect at the bottom of the stairs and it's never a problem again. Right. Yeah. But you don't know that if you don't talk to people. Well, exactly. The the talk and it's a shift in assumptions too, right? Right. So you're starting from a place that's different where in the past, you know, we would have started from the place, well, that's a horrible person. We we would have assigned some intent to that person's actions. Really their only intent is to support the company. Right. Right. Their, own, their only intent is is to is to do the best job that they can and support yeah. the goals of the company, and when they when they do, we're going to turn around and fire them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he, he's trying like hell to keep that shredder yeah. running, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna boot him out the door over it. And yeah. and when when exactly when when it's the behavior is coming from somewhere, right? right. It came from it came from that that exact point. It's coming from somewhere. Right. Yep. It's it, that that's such an uh, that's such an eerily similar event to events that I've seen, several events that I've seen in power generation where it's like that, where it's like, especially because we, we deal, deal with so many hoppers and shoots and different things like this caking of this and, and this getting clogged up with that. And then I want to run down here and ram a pole through this to well, get it to, you know, I look at it and I say, well, God, I'd, I'd have probably done the same thing after about up and down the stairs three or four times in a day. And, you know, I think that's 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 one of the key phrases. That that's so important for safety professionals to recognize because we have to recognize it in ourselves first before we can before we can try to push that to our leaders yeah. to recognize. Yeah. But it's because it's easy for us to look at that, and I think we all still do that. And I, I mean, I do. I catch myself because I look at something. Well, that's dumb, and then I'll have to I'll step back a second and go, "Yeah, but that all made total sense until all of right. a sudden it didn't." Right. Right. So well, I, I can take that shortcut because I'm a safety guy and I know right. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a really, a really good example before, and then I'll shut up because I'll keep you here all night if I don't. <laughs> so for folks who are listening, it's, it's, I think it's getting close to Brent's, Brent's bedtime. I might let him go pretty soon. It's late for him. It's getting late for him. It's still early for me here in Arizona. But the, um, I, I was looking at an event in which an employee had taken a shortcut Right. And so, and it was, it was a very like minor thing. I was, I was just asked to take a look at it. You know, I was like, yeah, take a look at this, see if there's anything. Cause I focus a lot on learning, right. That's kind of my thing. Like for sure. We'll go go take a look at it. And um, the employee had had taken a tumble at same elevation and um, you know, and, and I'm not sure how it is in your industry, but in my industry um, 
even me at my age, I'm an anomaly. I'm a kid compared to most folks in my industry. My industry power generation is like 80 plus. Yeah. Like mo- most, most of our folks are on walkers. Like it's bad. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when the, la- the lights start kicking off, cause there's nobody working at power plants. There you go. I guess I'm saying there's tons of jobs and power plants coming open. If people yeah. want to yeah. work in power generation, <laughs> tons of jobs and foundries too, believe me. <laughs> but so they're like, yeah, come over here and look at this. And I walk over and I go do to do to do walk over and look at it. And they're like, so where'd they go? They're like, well, they went the exact same way you went. So I, I naturally took the exact same shortcut that this person yep. did yep. because there's, there's a, there's like a ground level pipe, right? It's not, not necessarily ground level. It's, 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 it's a large, you think like old school power plant, think old diesel plant, fuel oil plant. Right. A lot of these plants right. have been converted over from fuel oil, massive fuel oil pipes. Right. And it's just, just there at the ground where, you know, about waist height and just sling. I'll climb more I've climbed fences in my day, you know, come from the country. I just sling a leg over and go, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same thing this person did and just stepped on something wrong, twisted an ankle and like basically, you know, face planted. Yeah. You know? It's just a normal thing, normal. right? You, yeah. It, it's a human, it's a human being thing. Well, why uh, would I walk a mile that way when I can just go over right here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, my dad told me, my dad does uh, developing and he told me one time that the principal behind putting sidewalks in parks or college campuses and stuff is you, you pour a couple of them up front, but then you wait and see where the natural paths develop and then go back and pave those. That's exactly cutting off the corners, the diagonals, all that stuff Mm -hmm. comes later when you find out where people are naturally going to walk because we all do the same thing. Yeah. Or you, even with that, I mean, you, you have to make it make sense. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Right, you look at that, and and that was I think that was a really interesting learning because you take an event, it's to that point to where you know w- that event where kind of traditionally a safety person in a, in a traditional organization, a safety person probably would have invested a lot of time into this event because it was very it was as bad as it could have been for what it was. Let me put it that way: lost time, ploy, yeah. and surgery, like like bad event for fall at same elevation, right? Um, as as bad as worst possible outcome. But at the end of the day, that is the worst possible outcome that could have happened from that event, right? So you're going, well, that's as bad as it could be, right? Yeah. Um, but but to look at it, so it, it's back to the point, though, that there's there's a lot of learning still in those situations. And this organization took that as, you know, we need to evaluate access for that, not not saying that go around or paint something here that right. says, or put up a sign, but we need to think about the places that folks normally have to access. Does it make sense? Because yep. their solution was, let's cut the pipe out. We don't use it anymore. <laughs> That's a simple fix. Let's cut the pipe out. You know? well, like, it's, like to say, if you, if you don't look at it that way, sooner or later, it's going to make sense to somebody else. In, in your case, it was you very shortly after the fact. It total sense. sense. Yeah, total uh, sense. Because you're going, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, really think that's why we have so many repeat accidents in the same, you know, why can't we solve these things? Well, mm-hmm. it's because it makes sense for people to do that. It and, makes, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So the, the way that, the way that, um, the way that I've passed it on and, and any, any time that I chat with folks about this, I always give them this kind of forewarning. Anytime that I'm chatting with an organization or anything like that, I said, listen, if you're talking to me and you're expecting me to, to cure human evolution, you're talking to the wrong person because it's not going to happen. That's right. <laughs> so, it's right there next to your crystal ball. that uh, right. predicts all, all So, the, but it's, it's even deeper than that because it's to the point of understanding that the same stuff that we often harp about that we don't like about people, is the yep. same things that make people successful. Yeah. The, 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 the same, the same things it's, it's back to that principle, uh, 
you know, of equivalence that the same things that make us or the, the same things that lead us to, to, to success are the exact same things that lead us to unsuccessful or not so yeah. great things every yeah. now and again, yeah. every now and again. The, guy, the right? guy does the same thing the day before and we praise him for saving time and he yeah. does it day two and gets hurt and then we beat and him we up. We beat him. We beat him. Yeah. 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 So I, that's, that's such a, all that's kind of stemming off of that same comment though, that it's going back to that point of, 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 of this kind of starting from a position of understanding that it all made sense. Yeah. Right. That, that employee throwing their leg over that thing, that employee going down and rodding out that belt or doing that all made sense. It yep. made total sense because it if it didn't make sense and they're, trying, and they're trying to do the right thing for the company. If right, exactly. If it if it if it did not make sense, we that we we rarely continue forward if things seem stupid right. to us. Right. Right. If it doesn't make sense, we we rarely just kind of blindly push through. Well, that's dumb and inefficient. I'll just do it anyways. Yeah. If you're driving someplace, <laughs> if you're driving someplace and you're looking around and saying this doesn't look familiar, something's wrong. You, you don't keep going. Yeah. You stop, and, you stop and turn around and go go back to, to where you lost the sense. And yeah, you you no, you 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 pull out your cell phone while you're driving and you put in your yeah. GPS. No, no, no. <laughs> I just I I just I just I just caused a few safety professionals' heads to explode. Yeah, you, mid, mid there, there's some there's some minds blown there too. So. <laughs> well, so thank you so much for coming on. before we before we wrap up, do you have any uh any final words, anything you want to share with folks, anything that's on your heart, on your mind? Yeah, I knew that was coming. So I actually gave this a little bit, a little bit of thought. And it, so it so pause, goes, because you're the only person that has ever given this a thought because everyone else, <laughs> everyone else, everyone else, when I get to this point and say any last words, they all go, I knew you were going to ask that. And I, you're, I totally forgot. That. <laughs> so, so unpause. There we go. <laughs> Well, it, go, it goes back to my my two sucks, the, the act safety programs and the beating each other up on social media. we got to, as safety professionals, not lose sight of the fact that it's not about us. It's about the people that we serve. And, and we do serve people, whether you want it or not. It, it's We're not here to sell a product. Uh, we're not here to sell ourselves. We're here to, to help people and to help them learn and to learn ourselves and give them the tools to, to find the risks and to do the, their job safely. You, you just gotta, you just gotta remember it's about the people. It's not about the safety professional. I love it. That That's exactly. I just, just to put a period right there. It's about making the world a better place to work. Absolutely. For safety Absolutely. people too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for all of us. For all of us. For making work suck less is kind of the, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on my friend. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. A lot of fun. Well, what'd you think? I've got a feeling that you liked it, that you loved it, that you got to have more of it. If he wasn't before, I've got a feeling that Brent's probably your hero now too, right? What a fun podcast. I had an absolute blast getting to chat with Brent. I can't wait to do that again soon. So that's all I've got. Oh, do me a favor. If you've got any ideas for stuff you want to do next year with me, Head on over to www.safetybetterment.com. I'm working on my calendar for next year. I'm not really doing anything um, for the remainder of this year as far as traveling around, but I am going to get back on an airplane next year. So (laughs) I've I've done some traveling, I guess, but I'm planning on going full steam ahead next year. I'm looking forward to getting back to some normal life and coming to see all of you all. I think that's going to be the most 
funnerest time ever. So go check that out, www.safetybetterment.com, and let's talk about how we can help you do safety better. That's all I've got. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye.